Who's wrong and who's wronger? In this corner, followed by Millions James, the exploding unicorn, Breakwell. And in that corner, ignored by Millions, Steve Dash, Rinko Lieber. And welcome back to another episode of Wrong and Wronger. And you know it's time to record when Breakwell has had enough of whatever you've been saying and just interrupts the flow to say, count us down so we can record. So here we are, man. It's me, Dr. Steve, who will listen with an empathetic ear. And he is James the Cut-Off Breakwell. The cut, I, I was trying to work the word unicorn into that, and it didn't work, James. But we're here every week to entertain you and do nothing for our own status. But James, how are you doing this week, man? I am doing wonderful, and I did not cut you off at all. I am positive you got out a full thought. It just wasn't a particularly interesting thought, and that's the difference. <laughs> Well, speaking of uninteresting thoughts, we talk about stuff that don't matter to anybody every week. And wow, the returns that we're getting are stark evidence that we couldn't be more correct. But James, what are we going to talk about this week? We are going to talk about Halloween costumes. The worst ones, Halloween the best ones. Halloween is just yeah. around the corner. It, it, Oops, sorry, go ahead. Now I cut you, you off. You did, and you know I what? Smug I am this. a gentleman, and it I did, uh, does not even bother me. So please, continue with your thought, which I'm sure will continue to be <laughs> uninteresting. <laughs> I am not a gentleman. I'm easily offended and butthurt by the whole thing, so I'm going to sit here smug <laughs> while you just take the floor. Well, before we get to Halloween costumes, I'd like to address an issue from last week, because I made a grievous error. I, it's not something I often do, but I will admit when I'm wrong, because I'm the bigger man, and I was wrong to trust you. Because you grew up in the northern states where it's too cold northern? to support live. Oh, oh, god dang it, I had that printed out too. Crap, crap, crap. Okay, finish. Sorry. <laughs> That's right. I got to it first. We're doing this on my terms. So... <laughs> I had we were arguing about time zones, and I said the Mississippi yes. River should be the border, and Minnesota yes. would have to decide which side it goes on. And you insisted that the Mississippi River was the border between the two states, but it actually jogs over; it goes up through the middle of Minnesota. But no. you said it didn't, and I believed you, and it you were not. wrong. It just what do you mean it does not? Nope. I'm gonna pull up the map right now. <laughs> I'm pulling the map right now. I have left my printout downstairs, so I will have it up on my computer momentarily. I'm looking at it. I don't know which who the uh, listener is, somebody who drags his knuckles on the ground when he walks. I don't know who you've got following you on Twitter, Breakwell, but they obviously are geographically challenged because... As you can, uh, wait a minute. I have to put the phone down while I do did this. You, so did you did you draw your own map? It, it, it makes up part of the border of Wisconsin and Minnesota, but it keeps going and it curls around. I think it it, it like hits the Twin Cities almost. It uh yeah, but it it's in the middle. Yeah. It's in the middle of mini uh, Minnesota. It gets to the middle of the state. It is not the border the whole way. Therefore, Minneapolis. I didn't say it was the border the whole. <laughs> you clearly implied it because my whole thing was it would have to pick a side because it goes up into the middle of the state and you insisted no it would never do that except for a tiny little bit that tiny little bit cuts the state in half yeah I went there. Are you, are you still looking for a map to support you? No. There isn't going to be I'm one. I'm only in the middle of the serenity prayer. <laughs> Hang on. I've, I've got to get this back under control so I don't turn into the Hulk while we're doing our show. Oh. 
I didn't say it was the whole border. I said it comes up and then it curls in a little bit. It goes through the Twin Cities, but it makes up about half the border of Minnesota. Those were not your words. Oh, my You do realize that last week's podcast was recorded, and while neither you nor I will ever go back to listen to it again, I'm confident at least one or two (laughs) listeners will, and they will clearly see that you were wrong about your geography. And that makes me happy, but it also makes me wary, because I don't know what I was thinking to defer to you. What what, what kind of lapse in judgment would I have to just take something you tell me on faith? Like, this new, nicer, wrong and wronger format is making me soft, and that's kind of upsetting. (laughs) Well... Hold on. Let me uh, let me just immediately kill off what I was about to say so I don't get kicked <laughs> off of YouTube. But I would love for someone to go back and pull the clip because I, I'm not one to say I told you so, but I'm going to spike the phone like a football when I realize that I am correct. I, do you remember when the barge hit the bridge between Minneapolis and St. Paul last year and it took out? That that was a barge on the Mississippi. Of course it curls in. I didn't say it was the entire border. You said it was. It only went into Minneapolis for a teeny, or to Minnesota for a teeny tiny bit. That was the clear implication. I said the words teeny tiny. Whatever you use in your your weird vocabulary to express a similar thought. I I see. Anyway. I I speak English. I realize I'm speaking over the head. You know, this is exactly the point that I was making when you cut me off and said, count us in. So anyway, to the the, the dear (laughs) listener who's a hero and does go back and listen to this, please send me a transcribed screen cap of that section. And I will text it to Steve and gloat so much. I swear to God, we're happy Groundhog's Day to you, everybody. <laughs> oh, aren't you glad to be back on this podcast with me, Steve? I'd like to congratulate everyone who celebrated a mental breakdown during that <laughs> soliloquy by Breakwell. All right, so you want to talk about Halloween costumes. So clearly you have something saved up. I'm assuming you're not going dressed up as somebody who's wrong this year, because that's what you are every day of your life. So what are you dressing up as this year, Steve? I would have read your article this week, but you have been blocked on all my social media (laughs) and my email. So uh, I'm unaware of what goes on in your life now, Breakwell. But I wanted to, when I brought this up like two weeks ago, talk about what we would dress up as when we were children. Ah. And you obviously didn't need a costume like I did because my striking good looks (laughs) made everyone confuse me for Tony Orlando back in the day. But what did you tend to go as, James? Well, early on... I went as whatever my mom dressed me up as. She would make the theme costumes. Like one year, we were the uh, the three little pigs, and she was the mama pig, and my dad was the big bad wolf, because she had sewing skills, and we were also super poor. So she would just make the costumes. And then the the most traumatic costume I have, and this is actually an entire chapter in a book I have coming up. But let's go ahead and dump it here because uh, nobody listens to this podcast anyway. But one year we went... Mostly because of you, but all right. Well, you know, because of our poor geographic knowledge coming from your end. If if we knew where rivers went, our our listenership would be through the roof. I mean, people were probably so offended by that that river course miscue last week that they just turned off in droves. Anyway. I'm Old Man River and you're a lazy river. But uh, all right, what do we got? I cannot wait for someone to send me that screen cap. One person. One person is going to be here. I I know it. I can't either. I would bet you a dollar on this one, but I know I'd never get it. You know what? You bet me a dollar once, and I sent you that dollar. 
I believe I did send That's you a dollar. True. Yes, I do that not. I do not. I do not uh, back out of bets. I, I stick to it. Anyway, anyway, I'm gonna get to the story now. <laughs> Showing our little pigs and we were with we were with was Gravaz, and uh, I was the Tin Man, and my siblings were the Lion and the Scarecrow, and all of that. And we went to the center of the universe to show off our costumes, which back in whatever year this was, early 1990s, was the shopping mall. And there was a costume contest at the shopping mall where you had to go up on stage and show off your costumes in front of a big crowd. In my mind, it's a big crowd. Who knows how many people there were? But, you know, back then, malls were not the vacant wastelands they are today. And so <laughs> we get there with our theme costume, and we can't go up together. We have to go up one at a time. And as the oldest child, they send me up first. First. Now, something you have to understand about this costume, again, it's homemade. It is made entirely out of cardboard. My arms and legs are cardboard tubes, but not like just the regular kind, but like the kind that is in the, in the middle of carpet rolls. So they are basically as thick as like the wood you build your house out of. My dad had to cut them with a saw. And so yeah. those are those are the links. And then I've got like a refri dismantled refrigerator box around my chest. And this is all held together with silver duct tape, just completely covered in silver duct tape. So my mobility is super limited. I, I can just barely make it up the stairs. And for a hat, I have a, a funnel painted silver and duct tape to my head. And then I've got a cardboard <laughs> axe that's also covered in duct tape. And so I somehow waddle up the stairs. I'm going first because I'm the oldest kid and I also have the best costume. And I'm just amazing and belong in front of people. So they send me up there at the ripe old age of six or eight or however old I was. And I yeah. get up there and I accidentally drop my axe. My axe falls on the ground. Now I have super limited mobility, but hey, you're not, you're not a tin man without an axe. So I bend over for the axe and my hat falls off. Even though it was duct taped to my head, the funnel <laughs> falls off. So now I've got two things on the ground. The situation is spiraling out of control. And so I bend over just a little bit further to get it and I fall. And I am stuck like a turtle. I kick my <laughs> arms and legs and I can't move. Flailing towards yes. the ceiling. Yes. And nobody came up to get me. And somebody in the crowd yelled, help, he's fallen and he can't get up. And everybody <laughs> laughed. And that was long enough ago. That, that was a topical reference. That was like a up-to-date zinger. And finally, my mom was like, you know, 95 months pregnant at the time. My dad had a bad back and could barely bend over himself. And they debated who was going to go up and save me. And finally, my dad came up and drug me off the stage. And uh, that was... He <laughs> grabbed your foot and just... <laughs> <laughs> so that was my most traumatic costume. But what about you, Steve? Wow, you're reminding me of a moment in first grade where we did a school play and I had to dress up as an old man. So I had... Uh, I had one of my grandfather's old like outfits on and I had a white beard made out of cotton balls and I don't remember, I think I just had a hat. I don't think they put a wig on me, but I had a cane. If you remember the story, The Giving Tree, I think uh, every kid has read that story where the tree gives apples, mm -hmm. then it gives wood, and then both the tree and the old man are old and the old man just sits on the stump and kind of muses about days gone by. But I was the old man in the story and I had a cane and through all of our rehearsals, I would just sort of stroll out on stage like a six-year-old kid, and I was carrying the cane, like a loaf of bread, yeah. sort of in the middle. And the teachers on the night told me that I had to actually like put the cane in front of me and lean on it. And what happened was I fell off the stage. <laughs> and uh, 
I don't have a clear memory of this. I probably <laughs> hit my head, which is why I'm here talking to you today. My lapse in judgments continue on into my 50s. But it's become a family story for the rest of my life, how I fell off the stage during the Christmas pageant in first grade. So both you and I had a semi-traumatic experience. Yours far more traumatic than mine, and that kind of shows in our personalities here. But <laughs> almost every year for Halloween, I think I went as a hobo just because my parents didn't care. We always trick-or-treated at like three in the afternoon Whoa. on Sunday, or maybe it was noon. Like we never went on Halloween night. It was always the Sunday closest to Halloween, and it was either at noon or at three. And my dad wanted to watch the Green Bay Packers football game, so he wouldn't go with us. <laughs> and my mom didn't care one way or the other. So I would go with my brothers or I would go with my friends and basically just wore crappy old clothes from my dad. It's kind of a theme in my life, James. And I would uh, use like a burnt cork and then put schmutch on my face. And that, that was basically, we would wear like two ties and a shirt half untucked and our dad's shoes that were too big. And that was it. That was about as creative as the Olivas clan got during Halloween. And we would always make it back for the 3 o'clock football game, which I never cared about. Well, there's a lot to unpack with what you just said. But first of all, you playing an old man on stage, clearly you were typecast from an early age. It's probably the only believable role you could play. But how symbolic is it that you fell off the stage? Like, at least when I was stuck, I was stuck in front of people. You fell off. You clearly did not belong in front of an audience, and your body was trying to tell you that. Um, was it you just by yourself trick-or-treating at noon, or did all the kids trick-or-treat at noon? Nope. The whole, the whole neighborhood, time. the whole city, the township would trick-or-treat when the, the siren went off on top of the fire station. <laughs> it had to have been noon because when the, the noon bell rang every day on the fire station, mm. and when the noon bell rang, that's when the kids would all flood into the streets to trick-or-treat. That's actually really smart because here we do it at night and it gets dark and dangerous and the police are out and they're handing out glow sticks and stuff. But if you just, if you just did it during the day... That makes more sense. I've always thought that Halloween shouldn't be October 31st. It should just be this last Saturday in October because Saturday for Halloween is huh. the best. Because if you ever have to go out trick-or-treating at night, like on a Thursday night with kids after school and work, it is the worst thing. Yeah. And you fill them up with candy and they got to wake up for school again the next day. It's it's a nightmare. So, yeah. they just I don't know. My wife grew up with it on Halloween night all the time. And there's something kind of charming about it if you don't have to get up the next day. But I do completely understand what you're saying. It's a night for adults to stroll around and drink beer while their kids run to different yes. strangers' houses in a neighborhood that they don't live in because they give out full-size candy bars. It is actually, it's my favorite holiday. I love running around in the dark with my kids. That's the only reason I had kids was so I could go out and trick-or-treat again. And we get, every year, we get 20 to 25 pounds of candy. Like, we take it pretty seriously. Gradually, the smaller ones drop off, and I'm just out there with the older ones. But but here's why the uh, the, the noontime trick-or-treating was really genius. Because uh, Halloween is, quite frankly, just a terrible time of year, especially if you're in the Midwest, but especially if you're up in Wisconsin where you were, uh, even if you don't know where the Mississippi River is or goes, oh because God. it is so cold that time of year that no matter what your costume is, half the time it ends up hidden underneath a winter coat anyway. I think two of the past four Halloweens here, it's actually snowed, which it hardly ever snows around here, but God just really hates Halloween. So you end up just layering up so much. And I've got to think if you do it at noon when the sun is out, there's a little bit less left. So maybe people can actually see your costume. 
even if your costume is both, uh, you know, lazy and offensive. So, by the way, hobo is one of the things you can't dress up in as anymore because you're basically making what? fun of, uh, like, the mentally ill alcoholics out on the road. Like, this is, they, they are unfortunate, Steve, and now we are nice to the less fortunate. We don't dress up and mock them what? to get candy. Yeah. So I, I ride the rails with the fingers cut off. <laughs> what are you talking about? I love that that was your costume. But I also love... Well, the, the other nice thing wearing our dad's clothes was you could wear a winter coat underneath oh. it because I remember freezing on mm -hmm. some of those Halloweens. You're absolutely right. Yeah, and you only know that if you're serious about Halloween. Like, otherwise, you you know, you go to a couple of people's houses you know, and then you go in, you stay warm. It's like, no, you stay out the whole time. You get all of the candy. It is a it is a mission. you got to go out and earn that. You know, you earn it from free hands. You know what? I'll bet you are being literal when you say we get 25 pounds of candy. You arm four kids with shopping bags. I'll bet you're pretty close to the truth with that weight. Oh, I, I weigh it every year. I literally weigh it every year. Oh, you do? Yes. <laughs> we always get at least 20 pounds. Now, granted, there were a couple of years. we did, There was one year in particular we didn't go out at all. I was... Uh, one kid ended up having to go to immediate care for some sort of sudden illness, and the other kid, I was gonna, it was snowing outside. I was gonna take the other kid out, but it was, again, it was like freezing sleet. And I was like, you have to put on a coat, and they refused. They just sat there and screamed at the top of the stairs instead of going, and so we didn't go out at all. So that year we got zero. It, but then the next day we went out and just bought 20 pounds of candy or whatever it was. You know, the day after Halloween sales are incredible. But yeah, usually, yeah, 20, 25 pounds we, we go through. I, I dump it all into a couple bags and weigh it out on the digital scale upstairs. And it's, it's a point of pride. And we actually, it's gotten so heavy in recent years that we've had to like start, you know, partway through the night making drops at our house. Because, you know, we probably, we probably walk four or five miles over the course of those few hours and uh, it starts it starts to weigh you down, especially since the kids are small and weak, so they hand their bags to be in between houses, and it's just me lugging 25 pounds around. So, yeah, you, you got to be efficient. God, my son one year, he uh, punctured his eardrum and got a bad infection in it, and we were up in Wisconsin. One of my brother's daughters is, about, is a couple years older than him, but they went trick-or-treating. He must have been nine, and she was like 12, mm -hmm. maybe a little younger, but... He, with like 103 fever, ran with her from house to house because he would not be dissuaded from trick-or-treating and getting candy. Like, it's... It's a it's a thing with kids. My, I, I admire their resolve. Uh, my favorite. So when my oldest daughter was probably, she was born in May. And so she was five months old. I went trick-or-treating for the first time. I went and uh, we went back to uh, my hometown and went trick-or-treating with my parents because, you know, they've got that big Catholic family and there were a few straggler children at home who were still trick-or-treating. We went around the neighborhood and we dressed up my oldest as a, as a ladybug. And she's just you know, super cute infant, has no idea what's going on, sleeps through the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. And so I, an adult man or allegedly adult man, walk up to the door carrying her and people would answer the door like, do you want me to get her like, like a banana or something? It's like, no, she wants chocolate for me. Go get, yeah, please. Right now. <laughs> that's, that's clearly why I went through all the trouble to be here for this. Uh, and actually, after that, we all ended up getting the flu just horrendously. Uh, yeah. yeah, it was. Uh, it's was, it was also flu season around that time of year, and so that was that was you know karma smiting us for trying to sneak out some extra candy gains. 
You know, my favorite thing to do now is give out candy because I'll just, I'll mess with the kids. I'll mess with the adults after all the kids go and the teenagers are out in the neighborhood. I'll mess with them. Like, I love doing just little improv things with the kids. And uh, to me, that's fun. And I sort of withhold candy until they've listened to everything I have to say. That does not surprise me at all. You probably get very yeah. upset if they allegedly cut you off. <laughs> There ain't nothing alleged about it. A jury of their peers would send them to the clink for their egregious crimes against Steve Manity. Do you ply them with questionable geographic facts as they stand in front of you? Yeah, I ask them things like, which is further north, Maine or Florida? And they always get it wrong. So, I guess it depends on where you live, too, because I think... We're in kind of an awkward spot, and if I were to stay home handing out candy, like, it's a toss-up if anybody would even come here. But, you know, every town kind of develops its own routes, and there's, there's like, a route yeah. where all the good candy is, and uh, it's like Times Square in the dark there at that night, and that's where all the police officers <laughs> go with their flashing lights to kind of watch everybody. But that's not where you want to trick-or-treat. You want to trick-or-treat to the houses nobody wants to go to, and you want to be there at the end of the night. Like, ah, you're probably the last person. I'm just going <laughs> to dump out this bucket in your bag so that, you know, so that I don't eat it all myself. But if you go to the high population areas like even if it's like even if every house on the block has you know is giving out candy they only give you like one little piece because they want to <laughs> save it for the other couple hundred kids like my parents uh where sure. they are they i think they get like 300 kids a night sometimes uh, those are not the houses to go to don't go to the 300 kid houses go to the ones way out of the way and you might just get lucky with a whole bag <laughs> You're like an engineer trying to resolve an issue with the Hubble Space Telescope as you map this out <laughs> with like a blueprint on your kitchen table of the entire township. And it might even be topographically correct because you don't want to go uphill too much. That takes away your thighs. I have right? 35 years of experience, yes. And I do <laughs> map. And you gotta, you gotta be efficient. You gotta figure out which roads you're gonna go down. You gotta judge where the sure. lights are. You, gotta, you don't want to go any further than you have to carry it all. You gotta, you gotta accurately judge the rivers. You don't want to end up in the wrong state. I mean, it's, just, it's a whole thing. And I I take it very seriously. I'll bet. Yeah, you're like planning war. You've got a pointer with a rubber end that you slap down on the map once in a while and yell at your kids if they're not paying attention. You know what the most fascinating thing is, though? When people open their doors, you get a glimpse inside their houses. And so, yeah. These, Ooh, yeah yes. And these are people like, again, I don't know any of these people. Like, we walk around this neighborhood sometimes, and we just don't see anybody ever. And you have no idea who they are or what's going on inside their house. And every time they open the door, it's like a whole little world. And you get like a 10 second glimpse and in that 10 seconds you can assume so much about people you could just get their whole life oh. who's inside with them are they having a halloween party does everybody have their shirt on are they smoking what's you, know, you just is there a weird animal running around like you just get this whole story right then then you go to the next house and you do it again and again and again and then you don't see these people again to the following halloween you remember oh yeah this is the house that smelled funny this is this is the house where nobody was <laughs> properly clothed and then you, you find out how are they doing 12 months later where have their lives Led. It's just it's it's a uh, it's fascinating. That was my favorite part about collecting with the paper route. That I had about a hundred houses on my route, and I had to go door to door to collect a couple bucks every week for them to pay for it. And I would have the same thing, but on a weekly basis. And I judged. Twelve-year-old <laughs> me, I judged everybody on the route, and I knew all of their secrets, James. Did you judge them by whether or not they paid, or just by what their houses look like? Oh, that's a good question because there was another. Another variable in that equation, which is if they tip me at Christmas, Ooh. like that was a big deal too. So I knew who the tippers and who the non-tippers were. 
So all of that went into my judgment, other than the ones who had dogs that bit me, which we talked about a few weeks ago. <laughs> you know, I uh, I also would remember the tippers, but it didn't affect service at all. You had to give them a paper whether they tipped or not. So really, yeah, tipping your paper bad. boy is entirely useless. I mean, let, let's just be honest. Especially if the paper boy is you. Like, what what do you what are you going to give them in terms of extra service? Like, how are you going to make it worth their while to tip you? Why, why are you getting a tip at all? You're doing the job you're paid to do, but you know. A, a starvation rate, but nonetheless, you are paid to do this job. Why? Why do you need extra for that? Uh, you are one of the customers whose paper would be delivered page by page <laughs> each day. You want to know? So I was briefly a newspaper reporter, very, very briefly, and I, I did an internship at the newspaper in my hometown. And so they gave the paper to my parents at the employee discount rate. Um, this was 15 years ago. They are still getting it at employee discount rate. It, uh, I am probably the reason that newspaper is going under. They need every subscription they can get. In their day. But, you know. They, Everything you touch goes out of business. Your college, your high school, your newspaper. Like, you're I mean, the black widow. To be fair, that newspaper is still open, but, like, you know, the entire industry went under. So, I mean, I would like to take credit for that. I mean, really, any industry that would hire me is doomed. I think we can both agree to that oh thank god this podcast continues to chug along <laughs> at the staggering pace that it has but we got to get out of here breakwell do you have any closing thoughts on this topic halloween and falling off stages or onto stages traumatize your child now so they have something to talk about in a podcast many years down the road it's the right thing to do <laughs> It's not bad. Well, this has been another scintillating episode of Wrong and Wronger. I know I'm going to get up and run around the house a few times just to burn off all this excess energy that I wasted listening to Breakwell. <laughs> but until next week, when we come back to you, this is Steve, Dr. Steve Olivas for James the Exploding Unicorn Breakwell saying thanks for watching, thanks for listening, and always remember, live life by the simple adage, two wrongs can make a right.